Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast back with you guys again. Um, if you haven't already, please do consider checking out the two previous episodes. We kind of hit on Raw, the Brock Lesnar UFC announcement, and um, a preview and a review of NXT TakeOver The End from uh, last night as we record this. This is Thursday now. Um, today we're going to be giving you our power rankings on the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast for the six participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match, um, kind of giving you the odds of who we think is the least to the most um, likely winner of the briefcase, the coveted briefcase for the world title shot. Um, here with This is Aaron. I'm here with Dr. M. Dr. M, you ready to do this? Yep, I'm ready. Uh, Money in the Bank continues to shape up. And uh, I used to think I knew who was going to be the winner, but now I'm not so sure. Well, if you kind of look at the history of it in recent years, specifically last year, nobody had Sheamus pegged to be the winner of Money in the Bank last year. I mean, no one did. So that came as a big surprise. Um, I'm trying to find a list here of previous winners. I know Sheamus was last year. The year before was Rollins, which was an excellent choice. It turned out to kind of save WrestleMania 31. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after, the, you know, if you go back a little farther than that, it gets spotty. Big ones for me were when The Miz won because of what that resulted in. He had a decent title reign in the main event match at WrestleMania when you were there in Atlanta. Um, Snooky Mania. Snooky Mania, yes. Um, besides him and Edge, obviously the first Money in the Bank winner, who are some other standouts where it's been done well, the person winning the briefcase and going on to do something big with it? Um, well, I mean, I liked, I enjoyed Rob Van Dam's win. Um, I was there for that one. Yeah, you were, and I, I know he cashed it in. Did was it at one of those like ECW one night stand? Yes, he um, um, he announced in advance that he was going to cash it in that night. And you remember mm-hmm. Edge came out and helped him win in mm-hmm. the main event against John Cena. That was at the Hammerstein in New York. Right, right, yeah. So his was good, and. Um, it starts to get a little tricky, like all those years where they had like a Raw and SmackDown Money in the Bank, or no, it was a WWE and World Title Money in the Bank. Yeah. It starts to get a little tricky there because I honestly have lost track of a lot of the people who might have won then. Um, I know that, you know, I did appreciate uh, Dolph Ziggler's cash in. You were a really big fan of that one, and you texted me like when that happened on Raw. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was great. That was one of those um, post-WrestleMania Raw, so you know the crowd was already hype. And um, it was just done really well. And uh, Daniel Bryan's it comes to mind, too, you know, because that kind of set into motion that first world heavyweight title reign mm-hmm. that ended in uh, 16 seconds, I think it was, 18 seconds, something at WrestleMania 28, mm-hmm. which kind of, you know, propelled him over the next two years into what he became, you know, main eventing WrestleMania. And that was a very successful one too. Right. Um, 
we'd be remiss on behalf of our co-host Silly Sellis if we didn't mention that Mr. Kennedy kind of botched. You know, he had to give up the briefcase because they misdiagnosed his injury. He's still, um, Mr. Silly Sellis rather, is still very bitter about that. Um, well, we have six participants in this year's edition. As of now, that could change. You know, we could get another one added. A lot of people project that Bray Wyatt could insert himself into this match somehow. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I see that happening. I guess we're going to work on the premise that it's the six people they've advertised at this point. We have Sami Zayn, Cesaro, the inventor of the match, Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, and ADR, Alberto Del Rio. Now, what we're going to do here is kind of give our impressions of where these participants are at and who might be the least likely to the most likely. So if you want to put money on it in Vegas, by all means, rock and roll on our on our word here. Because our word is bond, right, Dr. M? Indeed. <laughs> so I feel like maybe the bottoms of our list, it's much more interesting, in my opinion, to start from the bottom and work our way up to our favorites for the match. Uh-huh. I think ADR has got to be at the bottom of my list. He's a previous winner already. They clearly haven't been doing a lot with him. You know, the League of Nations kind of folded, and he's kind of been, in my opinion, very misused between the Mex-America thing and the League of Nations for what that ended up being since his return. Um, I don't see them going there with him. They've already got, you know, Kalisto and Sinkara, and they've got um, Mr. Almas, who debuted on NXT last night. I think they're looking towards building that new generation of maybe a top Hispanic star, I just don't see him winning. Um, so that's my my number six. That's my least likely. What about you? That's also my number six. Um, Del Rio really kind of feels like an outlier in this match, uh, considering the other participants. Um, yes, he's had success in the match before, but uh, it, it would really make little sense to me to have him win it again because he has zero momentum behind him right now because of what was ultimately a disappointing League of Nations run. And, and you know, it's just so sad because when he did come back to the WWE, he had some spark with him. And then the Zeb Coulter thing was a, a disaster. And uh, he just hasn't recovered. So, yeah, he's number six. He had a lot of, a lot of um, like, really good cred and, like, talk about him when he came back because he had been through Lucha, I believe, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was rumored. I, I don't watch Lucha, so I can't comment on that. But he had a little run in ROH. Uh, recently, they did a retrospective episode of uh, Ring of Honor TV about Jay Lethal, and they showed a match, uh, I think it might have been a year or two ago, from one of their anniversary pay-per-views where he wrestled, uh, Jay Lethal wrestled Alberto El Patron, and it was a very good match, and it was cool to see those two in the ring um, together. Although, I guess... You could kind of take an alternative look on this and say, well, this would be a way to put ADR back into the spotlight. But I just, in a year where it seems like they're going new era, I don't know if giving money in the bank to kind of a a guy of, you know, the more established previous era is the way to go. So we're in agreement there. Um, My number five is Sami Zayn. And it has nothing to do with the fact that Sami Zayn is super over right now. And is is really on a nice upward trajectory since he kind of came back to the main roster and uh, following his injury. It's just that this match is really built for heels to win because the cash in, you know, is better um, executed with 
in a bad guy fashion, kind of getting the best of a baby face in a weak moment. And I just don't think Sami Zayn, I, I think you need to really build that long term if he were to get a world title. Um, but I, I just don't see him winning this as much as I love him. I just I think what they're doing with him now is great. I think one more final blow off singles match that could maybe result from whatever happens here with Kevin Owens is the way to go at Battleground. So that's my number five. He is also my number five. Stop copying me, Dr. M. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, I am a big Sami Zayn fan, and but I think you're absolutely right. Money in the Bank, I think, works better when the winner is a heel that can constantly tease us week after week with, with potential cash-ins and um, generate some automatic heat within, in that manner. And I just I don't think Sami Zayn is ready at all yet um, for any sort of main event level spot. Um, he will get there. I'm convinced he will get there. And I agree that I think WWE is almost in, in some way taking a pseudo Daniel Bryan-ish approach to Sami Zayn in the sense that um, he he's going to have a long road mm-hmm. to potentially one day being in the main event, but I think he will get there, and when he does get there, it's going to be it's going to have a big impact because of the road he took to get there. Yeah, very well said. Um, I think our list will probably differ as we get to the top, so this was not unexpected. Uh, my number four, let's let you go first this time. What's your number four? So number four, number three and number four are where things get a little uncertain. I, I could kind of go either way with mine, too. I, I'm with you on that. And so... Why don't you do your number four and number three together then? So my number four and number three together would be Cesaro. At number four? At number four Mm -hmm. and Chris Jericho at number three. Wow, our lists are still identical. That's um, are they really? And and I why Cesaro four? Why you have him below Jericho? Um. I have him below Jericho because um, I think Jericho is is actually a very logical um, choice to win this thing. I do too. Not saying he's my top choice, but I think he is a logical choice because, um, as I said a couple podcasts ago, um, I think Jericho has a case to be the MVP for the first half of 2016. He is just at the top of his game in terms of being that smarmy heel that people people love him of course but he can easily generate heat when he needs to and him with the briefcase i think that could make for so much good tv yeah yeah you're absolutely right and And, wouldn't it be just kind of a spit in the eye to the new era to have jericho be the one to win it yeah and see and that's the thing like if jericho wins it um it would be great tv and I think the fans would perhaps be upset initially, but they would eventually sort of buy into it. Like if ADR wins it, the fans are going to crap all over that. Yeah, that's going to um, be bad. And yeah, and so... Kind of like Seamus last year. Right, right. So I would have him at number three, Cesaro at four. I think it's been my theory now for a while that Cesaro does not necessarily need championships, um, I mean, he's already held the U.S. title and tag team titles, 
Um, I don't think he needs championships to to get over. He's already over. Um, and I think he's going to continue to sort of grow his fan base. And I, I don't think money in the bank would really serve him all that well in the long run. Um, I think he's going to be just fine without any of this stuff. So that's why I have him at four. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's at number four for me for kind of the same reason Sami Zayn was. I put him above Sami Zayn because I feel that if you were going to go with um, like a, an underdog baby, not that Cesaro should be looked at as an underdog because he's a freaking beast, but like underdog in terms of the fans' perspective of the hierarchy of WWE, he would probably benefit more, and I think he would look good with the briefcase with his suit. Mm-hmm. I think that could go very well. But yeah, I think the um, the positive of giving it to Jericho is that he's had these little kind of petered out runs where he'll be a baby face and come work with like an up-and-coming mid-carder and help try to put him over like he did with Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm. um, Fandango to a lesser degree. And there's one more feud I think I'm missing in there. Well, the thing he when he tagged with uh, Roman and Dean, I guess, last year... Um, I think that was at Night of Champions, if memory serves, when Sting, um, when Sting wrestled, correct? Yes, uh, I believe that's yeah, right. yeah, in Houston. Um, but this run's been remarkable for all the reasons you said, and you could kind of take this run and bring it to that next level with Money in the Bank, and he could still even go away and do the Fozzie thing in the fall and the winter and come back with Money in the Bank. And, like, that's just a way to completely in- inject him right back into the storyline. Um, and it could turn his, it could turn a decent run that he's had to a great run. Mm-hmm. And no one knows how long he's sticking around. For all we know, he might be doing a full, you know, year plus with WWE. I don't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So things could get in. I, he's my dark horse. I'll say that. And when I, I define a dark horse as someone who you don't consider likely to win, but you got to keep your eye out for him. Right. And that's what the number three spot functions as. So what we've come down to here then, Dr. M is if we're going to have Kevin Owens be the favorite or Dean Ambrose be the favorite. Um, I, I assume you're leaning towards Kevin Owens. Listeners of our show know that you're a very big Kevin Owens fan. I, you know what? I, was adamant that Kevin Owens was going to win this thing. And I I still think he will, but I say it with hesitation now because I'm starting to get convinced just from the last couple of weeks of TV and especially what's also happening with Rollins and and Roman Reigns, that it might almost be more logical to have Dean win it. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Our lists are identical. That's insane. Yeah. So, you know, I've spent some time going back and forth between Owens and Dean and who would be the top spot. And based on the, as you, as you stated earlier, the, this idea that the heel, it, it's just better when the heel has the briefcase. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what sort of tips it for me to put Kevin Owens at number one. Um, but yeah, I, I could see just as good a case for Dean winning it as well. Um, especially if this means that Dean winning it might result in a character change too, because, um, I, you know, I think Dean has lost some steam Yes. Um, over the last couple months. I don't think the Brock Lesnar match at Mania helped him at all. I think the um, Triple H match did. I think it made him kind of put him on a legitimate path again. 
And a lot of people will lump that whole spring run of Dean into one kind of failed swoop. And I, I, I agree that the Brock thing didn't do much, but I think the Triple H match did because people saw him That's as a true. contender in a way that they maybe didn't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, I don't know, like, Dean is so over now with the fans that I doubt WWE is considering turning him heel, especially because you have Rollins, who they want to be a heel, but who really isn't, and Reigns, who they want to be a face, who but who really isn't. Um, and so I think they need at least a couple superstars who can clearly be one or the other. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm going to lean with Owens at number one and, and Ambrose at number two. Oh, okay, so our lists are not identical because I actually have Dean as my number one. Um, Kevin Owens would do a marvelous job carrying the Money in the Bank briefcase. There is absolutely no question. I He has made a very clear case for why he should be. Um, I think that he's bigger than the Intercontinental title at this point. I think the U.S. title would be a step down. I see no reason for him to be in a tag title feud. He could very easily be in a number of higher profile feuds. Um, you know, Randy Orton's coming back mm-hmm. soon. That that might be a nice spot. I would love to see him and Bray Wyatt at some point. Um, that could be a thing. But the thing is, Kevin Owens has been on the main roster for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. He will have his time. Dean Ambrose, yes. on the other hand, has been on the main roster for when did the Shield debut? 2013, so number 12, rather. Yeah. About four years, give or take. And like you said, his character in its current status has kind of been tapped out. Um, at, and that might be a, a result of a lot of things. I think that the character's been developed a little poorly as of late, whereas we know that he's crazy and we know that he's a good wrestler. But this is the first time you've seen and heard Dean Ambrose really be all about getting the championship. Like, he had his IC run, and that was that was cool. I think him and Kevin Owens had some good matches there, specifically the Royal Rumble. They had a great match. But he he's really all about the title now, and, you know, having the Shield, the two, two-thirds of the Shield already involved in the title picture, it kind of makes sense to inject him here. And... um it would almost it would be so kind of appropriate for him to win the title in like a kind of a cheap fashion and have to defend it against maybe Rollins and Reigns in a triple threat at SummerSlam, where they'd all look like they were on equal footing because they've all been a world champion now. Mm-hmm. And it's just there's a lot of intrigue factor. And you know, you said that those other two, they're not really heel, they're not really face, and Dean Ambrose might be the one that people cheer for the most in that match if you do that triple threat. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but the reason to do it is not to not as a mechanism to get to the triple threat. The reason you do it is because the Dean Ambrose character you've invested in for many years now, it, it it's most functional for him in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it does more for him and it adds more value to whatever brand he ends up on because mm-hmm. we know there's a brand split coming. If you give it to Dean, whereas, like I said, Kevin Owens, you know, if he gets put on SmackDown, like I think he will, mm-hmm. he's going to be a big dog there. Yeah. Probably not going to need it long term. He can probably go after, if there's a secondary world title, he could go after that almost from day one on a brand mm-hmm. split. Or even if he ends up on Raw, it is what it is. So 
We differ on our number one there. I'm glad we didn't have identical lists. I thought we did. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I get, I do get the point about Kevin Owens. Um, one of our followers on Twitter, and I'm, I'm blanking on who it was, but this was some time ago. Um, and I think this came up during um, what seemed to be mass complaints about John Cena and Burial, you know, the, the constant complaint about him. Well, the club and cut a nice promo about that on Raw this week. They did, yes. Um, and one of our followers was suggesting that, you know, look what happened to Kevin Owens. And, um, you know, my response was that Kevin Owens, since his feud with John Cena, has held two Intercontinental Championships. He's had a match at WrestleMania. He's been in high-profile feuds. He's on TV every week. You know, I don't think of that as burial. No, Um, Kevin Owens is doing great. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the point being that Kevin Owens is also, what, 32? 32. Something like that. 32. He has many more years of mileage on him. He has plenty of time to work his way into the main event and stay there. And so um, I'm not at all concerned about Kevin Owens right now, as some fans might be. Well, he had to go through all that growth because being being over on ROH or being over on NXT is far different than the main roster. We've seen people come up and do really well with that transition and people that didn't. And Kevin Owens, you know, he was great from day one to a certain extent, but he's really kind of um, come into his own in just the last few months where, like, you can kind of count on Kevin Owens to be incredibly entertaining and um, thought-provoking mm-hmm. every time you see him on Raw. Um, I love that he's kind of doing you know, throwback to The Rock where he's getting on the announcer headsets and yelling at Byron Saxton or yelling at Michael yes. Cole. He just adds these little nuances that um, as much as you love the guy, you kind of hate him at the same time. But, you know, give him another year to see and then like think about where he could really be at in another year. Um, I think a few with Randy Orton could be really cool. I think so, too. And um, this is really uh, just a quick nod to Randy Orton. As as much as he's been out injured, Randy Orton, I'm interested when he gets back because I think he could have good views with a number of people. And, I mean, I think that's also been sort of the story of his career. Who, whoever you put Orton with, he can he works with people quite well. He's um, he's a natural like he is a professional wrestler. He is absolutely. so natural at it. He was born to do it. It comes so naturally as a third generation talent. I think mm-hmm. his um, his biggest comparison, given that this person's still kind of in an early stage of this, Seth Rollins comes across to me as very natural for this business. Yeah, and um, I would love to see them revisit those two together at some point. Not immediately, because we just saw it at WrestleMania um, the year before this one. Yeah, but he's. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I don't know if you had a chance to catch Jericho's last podcast. With Which Rollins. one with Rollins? Yeah, I thought it was great. I listened to it when I was cleaning my house last weekend. Yeah, and um, you know it was it was just great hearing Rollins talk about his match with Orton and hearing sort of how Orton is perceived as liking to play it safe, but, you know, at the same time, you know, being a professional, but at the same time willing to stretch himself for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And that really just confirms for me how, you know, Orton's a guy that you can plug into uh, multiple situations and he's going to hit it out of the park. And you can't do, you know, there's a lot of guys that we love, but, like, you can't just plop, like, Apollo Cruz against anybody on Raw, it won't work with everybody. You can't do right. that with like 
Carl Anderson, but you can do that with Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot of value that you're that you get out of him that people maybe underrate sometimes. I'm glad that we talked about this. Um yeah, no, that was a good listen. The the one he did either before or after that with Ric Flair. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the Jericho podcast. There are so many great stories from Ric Flair. Oh, I was dying, dude. It's so uh, he has some great stories about Harley Race and um Arn and um Okay, just go back and listen. He has some great stories about Japan, about traveling with the little people wrestlers. Uh-huh. Uh, it's good stuff, man. It's a really good listen. Um, so, I guess in kind of summary, going back to the Money in the Bank power rankings, we had ADR at six. We had Sami Zayn at five, Cesaro at four. Jericho is our dark horse at three. And then you had Kevin Owens at number one. I had Dean at number one. Um uh-huh. I will say, you know, you can even, not just Money in the Bank matches, but multi-man ladder matches. You look at the one at WrestleMania, and you could kind of tell, get, you know, and this might be a bad example because Zack Ryder, no one had Zack Ryder pegged to win that, and that was a great moment when he did. Um, but you, you, kind, you kind of knew Sin Cara's not winning that thing. You kind right. of knew Stardust probably ain't going to win that thing. This year, maybe with the exception of ADR, and there's even a case still for him to win it, mm-hmm. I could easily see any one of these guys winning it to one degree or another. And that that's the result of really good um, editing on WWE's booking where they could have thrown Apollo Crews or Tyler Breeze or whoever, mm-hmm. Rusev in this. But like we have six pretty legit um, contenders to the, the briefcase in a lot of ways here, and I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And I'm looking at the card here now. This is actually a pretty nice card. I, I'm not super amped about Titus and Rusev for the U.S. title. Like, mm-hmm. kind of is what it is. Who's the Who's the IC champion right now? The Miz. Oh, he's not on TV because he's filming a movie. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, obviously WWE is ever growing its um you know thriving film business but to have the champ off tv you know i i don't i don't know if i agree with that but. well it's it's so lame because you had that amazing uh four-way match at the last pay-per-view yeah. and that title had a lot of steam on it and then you come to this pay-per-view and it's probably not even going to be on the card right i don't get and maybe they they have plans to re-debut that title with the miz on whatever brand he ends up on and it can kind of be re highlighted i guess but mm-hmm. just seems silly but i'm gonna i'm looking forward to the four-way tag match i i kind of see the uh the club coming out on that one with the titles maybe yeah yeah aj and cena you have money in the bank and then rollins and reigns that's a nice little card they've got um i don't know what they're doing with the, with the women <laughs> they're still oh, not gosh, really a feud for the women's title now. right now <laughs> Maybe you have Becky and Natty in a tag match against Dana and Charlotte, in which case I will be using the restroom because I don't want to yeah. see Dana Brooke clog that matchup. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. And, yeah, it's it's completely uninteresting. And um, I, I think it seems like WWE is just trying to get through this, this confusing storyline quickly so they can start building towards SummerSlam. And it's just one of those situations where – they're just like, well, let's just kind of make the best of this here, and when it's over, it's over. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Real quick before we go to, did you see the Breaking Ground special after NXT last no, night? No, I haven't had a chance to catch it. It is fantastic. Um, they yeah. go, they fought, they go back and kind of catch up with a lot of the people that were featured on the first, you know, season, I guess, mm-hmm. during WrestleMania weekend, and it, it was just cool. I watched it with my wife, and we could kind of like, oh yeah, we were there, we saw that. Um, they showed mm-hmm. the line of people going in to take over, and Kathy Kelly um, doing her promo spot out there, and we walked right by Kathy Kelly, yeah, not even did. knowing who she was because that was her first night on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just cool to see all the places we went in Dallas and um, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff from TakeOver Dallas. And just that nice. was just the highlight of my weekend, and I'm, I know it was the highlight of yours as well. Mm-hmm. It was cool to see them that, that night backstage. Um, Hunter tells all the people that were getting called up to the main roster, he tells them that night. Uh-huh. And it, like Apollo Crews like, broke down in tears. He was so excited. It was just a really cool thing to see. Wow. Bailey kind of ha- had a little stink on her where she like was a little getting a little annoyed that weekend that she was not on the main roster yet. It definitely yeah, comes I mean, off she, that way. She has articulated in several interviews that she she wants to be there. Um, and obviously they need her. I think they do need her in NXT until they sort of bring in this new crop of women stars that that Triple H is, hun- is hinting at. Yeah. Um, well, all, yeah, I, all signs kind of point to NXT getting raided in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. the rumor right now. Yeah. And, I mean, we talked, uh, Marcellus and I talked about this on our NXT review. It kind of makes sense. You, if you're splitting your brands and you kind of having it, you have to have some talent to supplement that. A Nakamura, yeah. a Samoa Joe, a Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Um, even in Austin Aries, although I think that he would do well staying in NXT as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Um, I, I think there's so many possibilities, and um, you know, if NXT does get rated, I, I will be curious to see um, who who Triple H sort of brings up to the to the spotlight. Because, uh, you know, there's almost 100 people at that performance center training. And so that means we're going to get exposed to some some new faces, finally. And um, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, speaking of performance center, I'm sure you saw the, the uh, report today that Moose was uh, backstage at TakeOver I last night. I was just about to bring that up. I'm so excited to see Moose and NXT, if that can happen. He is... Um, a very unique talent. You know, you have a lot of ex-NFL athlete, professional athlete type of guys that come through professional wrestling. But Moose, he has a dedication. and It's just so apparent, you know, listening to him talk and watching him work. The man's dropkick is immaculate, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, we walked um, right by him at ROH in Dallas the weekend we were there. Sorry, we did. Um, he's just a big man, dude. Like, yes. And he was cool, too. Like, we didn't stop him because you could tell he was headed somewhere, and we were getting our seats. We were just like, what up, Moose? And he said, hey. Like, And I think D-Wayne got a picture with him later in the show. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but that was great news. And then, of course, everybody saw Bobby Roode um, mm-hmm. seemingly has inked his NXT deal at this point because he was featured in the, the pay-per-view, like, in backstage kind of as a character being introduced. And those are two great supplements right there. If you can bring Moose and you can bring Bobby Roode and maybe Eric Young, if they can get that yep. deal done. Um, there's other still talents. Waiting, still waiting for our boy uh, Donovan Dijak to 
Come on over, man. He is uh, wrestling Jay Lethal for the world title on Ring of Honor TV this yes, week, yes. which is great. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he would be a great candidate to come on in. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talent down there, and like I said a couple episodes ago, I think we're going to start to see NXT feature more of those developmental talents, those homegrown talents, as opposed to kind of this place where it's a gathering of our favorite indie stars. Something else to keep your eye out for come January. I believe January 1, the Young Bucks deal with um, Ring of Honor expires. Oh, interesting. Something to look out for there. And they've made mention more recently now than they used to, or more frequently rather, that they would give WWE a, a, a considerable look because they know they're getting older. You know, they're both injured right now. It might be time to think about doing that. Adam Cole, I would love to see Adam Cole come in, but I think he has um, a run at the top he's about to make. He's debuting in New Japan with the Bullet Club at the, uh, I think it's at the Dominion pay-per-view, whatever the next one's called, I forget. Um, There was another talent I was going to talk about that I heard their deal was getting close. Oh, um, Cedric Alexander, isn't he maybe coming in for the Cruiserweight Classic? Yeah, I did hear about that. From Ring of uh, Honor? And I have to admit, I, I laughed a little bit because I, I like Cedric Alexander a lot. But um, some of these participants, I'm starting to... I'm getting a little fuzzy on how we're defining cruiserweight here. <laughs> <laughs> because... Maybe it's just under maybe, six foot people. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe I maybe my understanding of the weight limit is just wrong, but... Some of these guys that are coming out, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I never saw Tommaso Ciampa as a cruiserweight, but then you see him next to the people in NXT and you kind of get it a little more. He's not yeah. that much bigger than, like, Gargano is. Who Gargano, I think, is probably going to win the whole thing unless Zack Sabre Jr. wins it. Yeah, I yeah. I'm speaking of those guys, and I know we're getting, getting, getting on here with this podcast, but uh, I'm really excited to see what um, NXT does with Gargano and Champa. Um, now that American Alpha is going to be preoccupied probably in a number of ways going forward, and Dash and Dawson, you know, excellent heel tag team. I, it seems like, especially given the last couple of episodes of NXT, um, I, I'd love to see a feud with Dash and Dawson and uh, Champa and Gargano. Absolutely. I think it would be good. And then you have multiple tag team feuds going on. You have um, the thing with Dash and Dawson with the, with those two, and then you have the thing with um, those two new giant dudes with Paul Ellering with American Alpha kind of on maybe an Alpha's way out to the, the main roster. Pain, yeah. And then you have TM61, who was just introduced to the brand. Um, and then who else? Maybe Maybe Brooklyn... NXT TakeOver Brooklyn is kind of like a changing of the guard mm-hmm. for the NXT brand. And you're going to see, I think Dash and Dawson should be on the main roster yesterday. I'm just going to say that right now. They are I completely incredible. Agree. They're absolutely incredible. And solid, like legitimate heels. Yeah. Well, in, a, in a land where that's pretty muddy these days when Seth Rollins is getting a mixed reaction. Yeah. And WWE's not figuring, I don't know. Don't get me started on the heel-face dynamic in WWE right now. Um, anyways, we should probably get out of here. Uh, this was intended to be short, but we, we get to talking like we do. Um, 
Anyways, we'll we'll be back with you again uh, next week. This is supposed to be our Sunday episode. I'm probably just going to put it out tonight on Thursday, and you can listen to it when you listen to it. Um, we've been getting some great kind of numbers over the past few days of people listening to the show, and we greatly appreciate taking your time to do so. We're on Google Play. I know that's not in the intro yet. I need to add that, but we're on Google Play now if you are an Android person. And next week we'll have to do our, our proper preview for the whole Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And uh, we're going to have to talk a little more UFC because July is getting closer than we all realize. Indeed. Um, Brock fighting, and I guess CM Punk, the big rumor now is uh, Punk's going to be on UFC 202 mm-hmm. against, uh, I think his name's Mickey Gall. I don't know. I'm assuming that I'm more interested in seeing the CM Punk fight, I think. But if I can find a group of people to watch 200 with, I'll probably watch that too. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. M, for the power rankings, and um, we'll get back with everyone next week. This is the Big Old Belt Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for listening.